Hi, I'm Josh, and welcome to the Playing Away From Home podcast. I um, I come through at Trammy Rovers. I signed there, God, when I was about six years of age, seven years of age. Uh, just so happened I went to a, um, a footy college kind of thing with my brother um, just a couple of nights a week. And there was a, a Trammy coach there and he asked me to, to go down. And obviously it just went from there. I stayed there then from the age of seven to about, I think I was 20 when I ended up getting released. Um, obviously, unfortunately, I never made a, a first team appearance like, but enjoyed it. it was a, it was a good time. I think it was probably the right time for me to leave as well. Um, but yeah, it was good. I, I enjoyed it. I met, obviously, met lifelong friends there. Um, but yeah, and then obviously ended up going, going and playing over in the Republic of Ireland. Uh, signed for for Galway United. Uh, I had a, a pal who, who played for them. Just asked me to to come over and see how it had uh, it had go. Um, after that, God, it's, 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 I'm thinking a long way back, you know. <laughs> Only feels right. like a couple of years ago. Testing you. Um, then I, yeah, and then I, um, I ended up having no club for, for six months. I came back in the in the November of that year from, from obviously playing in Galway. They were, they done a, they run a summer league. So I came back from there, struggled really for, for another six months for a club. Ended up going non contract up at AFC Fylde, um, for a couple of months. Obviously, wasn't getting paid. I was doing that out of my own pocket just to, to try and keep my, my hand in it at football and things like that. Was working as a, as a waiter part time just to, to see me through it. Then uh, ended up at, at going on trial at Grimsby Town. Didn't get anything. Ended up signing for Barrow on a one month contract. Then got let go from there after the manager left. Uh, ended up out of contract for again for another three weeks, thinking, God, we're two, three months into the season now. I'm going to be struggling for a club. And luckily, all of a sudden, Macclesfield picked up the phone and said, look, our keeper's just left. Would you be interested in coming down? Trained on the Friday, signed on the Saturday. And then I was it was, again, another month contract. Uh, that was coming to a close again. Ended up having ended up making my debut in that first month, which was brilliant. Played against Leighton Orient away in front of 4,000 fans. And I was thinking, Christ, six months ago, I was, I was struggling, panicking, yeah. thinking I wasn't going to get a club. Um, made my debut in front of uh, front of four thousand at Leighton Orient, which was a, a massive day for me. Uh, it was something I'd done so. Are you alright? Or I done I I done quite well. Yeah, uh, obviously kept it. I came on after twenty minutes or so. Kept a kept a clean sheet for the rest of the game. We won one nil, and obviously that that season then we obviously as a team at Mac we ended up winning the league, uh, which was great. It was felt it was probably one of the best best seasons of my life. Just being a part of a of a group. I think I made half a dozen appearances. Mm. Um, it was What's it like coming on as a sub? Obviously, uh, you've always got to be ready, but you never really expect it, do you, as a goalkeeper to come on? Like, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a strange one, really, because you you end up having obviously me and Schwan were, were really close. He's still one of my, my closest pals now. Who I go to and, and speak to if I've got anything I need to ask a question about because he's he's been there, done it, won it, won a lot of stuff yeah. in his career. So he's great to have have for advice. Um, and it is a strange one because you do end up having a, a close working relationship with with the keepers who you who you're working with every day. Like especially last year, I had a great relationship with Danny Rogers, who's now at uh, Kilmarnock. Obviously, Fon Williams, who's now at Dunfermline. I've got a, we were together from when I was about 16 to got for about three years, and we're really close pals. Mm. So it's nice. And obviously, Luke, Luke Pillen's one of my, my closest pals, who, who's from local. We grew, grew up together at Tranmere. Um, so we're, we're really close pals. You do end up having a, a, a close working relationship, but you've also got to separate it. Is the fact that only one of us could play. Yeah. And as as close as as close as me and say Danny were last year, it's a little bit different with me and Fonners because Fonners was obviously leaps and bounds ahead. He'd been away with the national team at Wales, so you're always just trying to learn. But obviously last year with with me and Danny, it's kind of well, one of us has got to play. You've kind of got to put you. And we, we spoke about it because we were near enough the same age, and we just kind of said, look we're pals but when it comes down to who's going to play we're, we're both deadly serious about it and we you end up having a better relationship because that because you know not one of us is going to try and snake the other behind the back yeah. if the one's not happy about the other one playing then you just turn around and go look I don't think you've been performing great I've gone and seen a gaffer to see what I can do to play and you just take it on the gym Fair enough that's alright I mean it, does it, has it ever in your whole experience obviously you've always going to be buying with another keeper if not two keepers has it ever got to the point where it has got a bit too competitive and you've like, you're almost not wanting them to get injured, but maybe if they drop a clangor or something, you're like, oh, I might have a chance here. Did it ever get like that? Like? I'd, I'd know certain keepers who, who are like that. Obviously, I won't, I won't name names. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not about to call, cause controversy <laughs> here, but I know, there's, I know there's keepers who are, 
who I've heard stories about and, and ones I've worked with that aren't the, the nicest of people. Yeah. And that are out, out for their own back. But you kind of, you, you can suss them out quite quickly. The, the goalkeeping fraternity is quite close and keepers stick to being with keepers. And the, the very few and far between, I've been lucky that I've probably only worked with maybe one who I didn't really get on with. Um, but that's that's kind of, this. it's the nature of the beast. There's, there's players who other players won't get along with. And it's just one of them things. There's, I can't say I've had a keeper who's actively gone out to, to try and um, disrupt me or try yeah. and go behind my back or anything like that. But I would know of people who, who have. Yeah, fair enough. Um, so going back to the start of Tramia, um, that's in your memory, but I looked on your LinkedIn, you've worked with two different goalkeeper coaches. So John Atterberg was one of your early ones. What was he like to train with? Because obviously he's yeah. pretty, pretty legendary within the goalkeeper. John, oh, John, John was brilliant. He was a, he was a great guy. He got on with my, with my family really well and he'd he done, he done so much for me, uh, especially coming through. I was a bit of a, uh, a, bit of a chubby kid. And that's why I ended up starting to play in goal. Yeah. Um, and literally from the age of age of seven, I think he was there. For, I think I had him, he was our coach for about six years, mm. which you, you think now he's obviously working with the likes of Allison and things like that. Yeah. And you think, Christ, to have that ground and from, from somebody who's gone on to achieve so much, gone won a Premier League, league medal, mm. Champions League, you think, Christ, it was it was great ground to have. He was uh, he was really, really good for me. He was a great guy. Obviously, he used to run his own his own glove company as well, which he used to sort all the all the keepers out at Tranmere. Um, but yeah, great, good coach, great coach. Um, really set the, the foundations for what I'd become as a keeper. And probably I'm not the most technically, technically fine-tuned keeper. I'm just keep out the net come what may. And he really helped that kind of style grow for me. Where it's just it doesn't doesn't matter whether it's your face, your arm, your foot, your knee, whatever it is, just just keep yeah. it on the net, and it was great for me. That's good. Um, where, where Tramia, did you have a few loan spells away as well? Did you manage to get some first team? Yeah, spell? yeah. I went. God, I had. I think I had four loans. I went to Bersco, um, I went to Droylsden, I went to Witten Albion, and I went to Bootle Town. So I had four different loan spells away. Some were some were mixed. Some weren't great. Probably one came a little bit too. Probably the Witten one came a little bit too soon. Um, didn't really know what to expect and go in there. I'd um, I'd have been expecting to make my, my first team debut for Tranmere probably two or three weeks before. Um, we had a bit of, a, of an injury crisis and Fonners was away on international duty. I'd been told you, you're going to make your debut away at Accrington Stanley, and then two weeks later I was I was sent out on loan to Witten Albion. So I don't think probably my head was in the in the right place. Uh, to, to go out on loan because I was like it was it was I was stuck between thinking oh I'm going to make my, my debut in League Two I think it was at the time trying we were in and then to, to be sent out on loan it was a bit from going from a high high to a low low and it was a yeah. bit like so it, it it didn't probably go as well as what I was capable of of doing but again we were I went to a team that was obviously at the time they were they were struggling obviously winning I keep tabs on them because obviously haven't played there for a couple of games keep tabs on them at the time they were, we were really struggling. They were probably, I think they were the third from bottom in the league. Um, so I knew I was going into a team that was going to need to battle um, and probably was a little bit too soon for me. But again, I took I took experience from it and learned from it. Um, then went to obviously Bersco, which was the following year. I think I played about eight, nine games there. Um, Droyles done again, I think I was there for two and a half months. And then Bootle Town, which was, which was again another interesting loan. Was it was was Ronnie Moore your manager at Tramway at the time? Yeah, Ronnie Ronnie Moore was my was was the manager when I was coming through as an apprentice. So he was there for my first two years from sixteen yeah. to eighteen. He was the first guy who actually put me on the on the bench, and I, uh, I had a good, I had a nice relationship with with Ronnie Moore. He was he was great for me. He's Always a legend, to, to, way, isn't he? Like he's, he's done quite well for them. Hasn't he? Yeah, he's he's had a couple of spells at Tramway. He's had a, obviously a spell at Rotherham, spell at Hartlepool, um, and Eastleigh. Um, but no, he was he was good for me. Always took a took a chance. And never really, he was never concerned on having to put me on the bench, even if I was sixteen or seventeen. He was never he, he had the faith to, to at least put me on the bench and was like, look, if you need to be called on, you, you're called upon. I'm not going to turn it down and bring somebody in because you're only seventeen. He was like, if I, if I need you, you're going on. That's class. Awesome. So, nice. belief in you, like gives you a bit of a boost. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was great because I was obviously I was obviously training. I was training a lot with the as an apprentice. I was training a lot with the first team. But probably I used to I used to have to do my college work um after after like it had finished I'd go and train with the first team on a Monday 
when everybody else was in college. So it was great because I got that little bit of a, of a first team feel from from probably sixteen, from probably the first couple of months of my my, scholar, my scholarship. I was um, I was in with the first team pretty much from the first after the first three months. And did you actually get a professional contract at Tramway then? Were you offered? Yeah, I got. I was. I spent two years as a pro there. Um, obviously, the first year was the, the the club was in the League Two, and then the, obviously we got relegated. So my last year was in the in the conference under Gary Brabham. Okay. Yeah. Did Did you once once Tramway got relegated to to the conference? Did you expect maybe this is my chance? You know, like obviously they'll be like cutting the budget. Maybe I can jump in. They'll put a bit of faith in the youth or. Um, it was it was a bit of a mix because you know how big of a club obviously coming through a tram. I'd been a, I'd been at tram games when Leeds United were in League One, and you yeah. couldn't. Me and my brother used to go down and watch, and you couldn't get two seats together. Mm. So you know how big of a of a kind of club tram is, and obviously you can see that they, they obviously went up back to back from from the conference straight into League One. Obviously they got relegated last year, um, so you kind of think they're always going to dropping out the league. I knew they were going to try and have a, a little bit of a push to get back in it. I thought at least I'd at least get myself on the bench and, and maybe be number two. I kind of thought they, they will look to bring someone more senior in. Um, but obviously, I kept myself fit and sharp over the summer to, to go back in and hit the ground running. And within another couple of days, they, they brought Scotty Davis in, who was a, who was a good keeper. Um, I just thought I, I, was, I was a little bit disappointed because I wanted to try and see if I, if I, if I could crack it, um, which it, you're always going to at 19. You're going to try and have yourself a little bit of confidence and think, yeah. oh, I, I want to give myself a little bit of a go of it. But... You, you, you kind of knew going into that summer that the Chami were going to make a push to at least try and get back out to the out of the conference as soon as they possibly because the the big financial hit for the club as well to to drop from the league into the conference so you, you kind of got to be realistic with your expectations but at 19 you definitely think oh I, I could possibly crack it let me have a go at cracking it mm-hmm. and it, it's kind of looking back in hindsight you kind of think I was a little bit naive yeah, fair enough you've got to back yourself haven't you so so the move to Ireland then, how did that come about? Was that some somebody getting in touch, contact, or did an agent sort it out? Or no. So what it was was um, I knew uh, a pal of mine who plays over there. He's now playing for Finn Harps, uh, a guy called Stephen Fowlin. We both worked with the the same sports psychologist who's based on the Wirral, mm-hmm. um, and obviously just through through mutual connections, he the the sports psych went out to go and work uh, for Galway United to do a bit of work for for a week, ten days. And he, he obviously knew I was out of contract and looking and I'd been speaking to people to try and get myself in on trial or whatever. And he said, look, he said that the manager's after a keeper over here. He said, would you would you be interested? I think that was on the on the Thursday night or the Friday night. And then phoned me on the Saturday and said, look, they, they want you to come over. So it was literally book a flight that night. So we booked the flights. He told me about one o'clock on the Saturday and I was on a flight at eight o'clock yeah. to, to fly over there just for, for a week. I think the pre-seasons had just about started in England. So... I was like, look, I'll go if something comes of it. If not, it's just a week's of training. Um, I got there and after two days, they said, look, we want to offer you a contract to the end of the season, which was obviously November, December for them. Hmm. So I was like, okay, I'll, I'll take it. So I flew home. I think I spent another week at home. I think my mum and dad were actually away on holiday at the time. And uh, I was trying to make this decision of whether to go or not. And in the end, I went, you know what? If it's only for four months, it's only for four months. I'll go and, I'll go and live over there. So went over and lived over there and played over there. I think I played again another half half a dozen games um, out there in the Irish Prem and it was brilliant it was probably one of the most enjoyable times of my career that I was obviously the first time living away from home because I'd been used to everything being on my doorstep and mm. not that Trammy is like a, a molly cold academy but you, you still get your kit given to you you're obviously when you're a pro there you get your boots cleaned and things like that but going to, to the League of Ireland it was like right this is your kit you've got to wash it and you've got to be have it dry and ready for training the next day so it was kind of it was a little bit of a growing up experience for me um, but I loved it and I've, I've said to my missus at the time now I've said to her if she's got family that live just a little bit north of, of Galway and I said look if I could live anywhere I'd, I'd choose to live there because it's yeah. it's just a beautiful place to live nice, nice. So how did the quality like compare to what you used to um, obviously like growing up with tram and stuff how did you find the difference in, in the Irish Prem? There was I don't think there's I think the Irish Prem gets a little bit of stick uh, I, I think it's a lot higher quality than obviously You've got the likes of Dundalk and Shamrock Rovers who, who regularly compete in Europe. Right, like and who lads who, like you had uh, the, the same year I was playing over there, there was Shawnee Maguire who was at uh, Cork City. I'm impressed. Obviously, playing for Preston so. in the championship. Yeah, yeah he's all right. We've yeah. had a few come <laughs> over, so, a few hit and miss, but Alan Brown as well. So, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
So there's a lot, a lot of boys that end up um, end up moving over from the from the League of Ireland to to go and play at a decent level in, in England. So I think there's there's probably the, the standards probably vary to probably the, the top end of the conference, if not League Two, because there's there's some clubs that won't be at that standard, but there's there's certainly the top end clubs that are really pushing it. You look at look at Dundalk, who are regularly competing in Europe. Like there's there's certainly a, a good level of quality over there. Decent. And did you have any teammates that go away that have, that have moved over to England or, or gone on to have decent careers at that time? Or? Um, from that Galway team, oh, I know obviously my, my pal Falls. He was he ended up getting a move to to Dundalk off the back. I think it was the following year. I think he moved the following year to Dundalk. Done two years at Dundalk, um, but none. I don't think any from from my team at, at Galway had moved over. There was there was a couple of lads who. Moved back from England to, to go and play for Galway. Um, a lad called Jesse Devers, who's now at Sligo uh, or Pats. He was he'd been at Wolves and ended up coming home to, to play for Galway. Mm. Um, so there, there was a, there was a good level of, of standard in that in that team. We'd had Brian Connolly, who I think had been at Derby and and came back to play for Galway. So there been there was a there was a decent level of of obviously player in in that squad. What was the like? Attendances like any decent atmosphere, like big big rivalries or anything that you were involved in, or probably the probably the best for me. Although it was a we we got beat by Cork, we played Cork City on on telly. That was a that was a big game because it was just it was obviously my first appearance on on TV. It was Irish TV, so it was a bit it was a bit different for me. It was something I hadn't, I hadn't been used to in the past. Um, I'm trying to think. What probably been. Obviously, we played Cork City away two weeks prior to that as well, which was which was strange because their pitch is on a little bit of a slope. So when you're kicking down towards the slope, you feel like everything's on top of you. Yeah. Um, that was probably the, the biggest ground we we played against over there. That was probably uh, Dundalk away, oh, or probably playing Cork Cork away. It's good you enjoyed it then, and like and like you said, if you want to eventually go back over that way, it's nice you've had that experience to. Eventually, mm. go back in the future. Um, so was it Barrow next then? Yeah, it was Barrow next. So that that, that season then obviously came to a close um, over here. Ended up, I was I'd been on trial. I went on trial to Grimsby Town through a through an agent, um, and then they they turned around, couldn't offer me anything, and I ended up going to to Barrow on um, on trial. Um, ended up signed, played a game and signed. Um, that was when Paul Cox was manager. Mm. Um, he said, "Look, he said I need you to sign a month." He said, "One of our keepers is injured." He said, I "Need you to sign a month." He said, "But we'll extend it till the end of the season." And then Paul ended up leaving um, after a couple of weeks. Um, somebody else took over and said, "Look, we can't, we can't offer you a contract." So I'm, I'm sat there come the end of the month, like, right, where do I go from here? Because yeah. I'm kind of a month into the season. We've been, I think we've done four games, and I was like, I'm not, I'm going to struggle to get a club here. Spend the next three weeks sitting by the phone thinking, Christ, what, what am I going to do? Um, and then luckily off my agent phoned and said, Macclesfield, want you in tomorrow? And then ended up signing again for a month there and then till the end of the season after that. Who was Macclesfield manager at the time then? Was it John Askey? Uh, John Askey, yeah. Yeah. Was it, he's, he's quite he's a bit of a legend, isn't he, in Macclesfield way? Was he quite good to work under? Yeah. He was he was good to work under. Obviously, the the club was in a little bit of trouble at that point. That was probably the start of, of the trouble that they've obviously ended up being being in now. They um, like we went a point where we we didn't get paid just before Christmas. We had a couple of games called off, and uh, we didn't we didn't get paid for I think it was about ten days. Um, and yeah, so it was good. John's John obviously had played. I think he played close to to five hundred games yeah. for um, for Macclesfield. He'd had a he'd had a good career there. Um, but no, it was good. It, we were, it was a good group to be involved in. It was a, we probably weren't the closest off the pitch. We were never like all hanging out together or anything like that. But we knew, we just had a, a belief that we could go on the pitch. And even if we were one nil down, like there was games where we played Hartlepool away, and we were, I think it was just before their Christmas day, we heard that we'd been one nil down up until the eighty third minute and come back and win two one. Yeah. And like you just kind of think like there was there was moments, there was key moments where you kind of thought. Christ, we could actually go and do something a little bit special. They were before I signed. They were odds on favour to get relegated. Really? And obviously, I think I played. Obviously, I played six games for them. Obviously, the lads who, who played more games done done really well. And obviously, dragged the dragged the club to a to a promotion, which was really unexpected. Um, but no, it was just a, it was a good group to be involved. And in. obviously, we had a little celebration. We went to Magaluf in the summer um, of that of that promotion. It was a it was a good team trip. But no, it was it was good to be involved. 
Like we've still got a, a group chat going now from obviously the promotion winning team. So we're all still keeping in contact with one another, which is nice. That's good. That's good to hear. Yeah, from like two, two, three years ago. Um, did, did you get did you get a winners medal then at the end of that season? Yeah, I did. I did get a winners medal. My shirts and my shirt and my winners my shirts in the cupboard, but my winners medals in my in my drawer with all my my precious items. That's class. That's class. That's one for the memories, isn't it? Um, so they got promoted, and then well, to be fair, I actually I actually lost my I actually lost my winners medal on the on the promotion day. I did you? Replaced. How did you manage that? So too many bits. I was obviously we. we <laughs> I wish we were uh, we were on the pitch. We'd obviously all been given our medals. I then I obviously went I went and see my family and I spoke to my family for a little bit. And I was supposed to give a medal to my dad, thinking that he would take it home for me and keep it safe. But I took it back because I wanted to have it on to take a few pictures with and with all the lads and stuff like that. So once I, I had clothes that we were going we were going on a night out straight away, so I took the clothes into the changing room and I thought, you know what, I'm going to put my medal on here on my peg in the changing room. Yeah. and just leave it here so it doesn't get lost so put my clothes over it and somebody must have come in and been having a look in the changing room and somebody took my medal off my peg in the changing room and just got off with it because I've come in been searching through all the bins all the clothes all the racks and everything to try and find it and it disappeared and luckily enough while I was away um, John Askey was away with us and a couple of the members of staff and he said look he said I know you've obviously your medal's gone missing gone walkabout he said uh, the club will sort you another one out so, so you're not you're not left without one so that's medal version two. That's good than that to, to give you another one. I bet someone whoever nicked it's been been sat home for the last three years just wearing that medal around the house like buzzing with. I know. I know. I hope they're proud of themselves. <laughs> I suppose you know, like if it was like a Macclesfield fan or something, you'd probably think mm, there's a good chance. Yeah, I just I just nab it and they've got away with it, haven't they? Yeah. Um. So promotion then were. Was the, was the talk of you extending your stay at Macclesfield or were they just investing, like, going for it, trying to stay up in, obviously, League Two? Was the, the discussion of the contract? Well, there was... We we ended up, obviously, went to Magaluf for promotion. We came back and we were all kind of sitting by the phone waiting to see what was, was going to happen because there's a league... There's a rule in the conference that you've got to let players know within the last two... Uh, two weeks after the last game of the season. So, obviously, our last game and then we've been to, to Magaluf. Um... And I was waiting by the phone and nothing nothing came up about anything. And then next minute, get a phone call and say, look, we're, we're not extending. Ideally, he was like, I need somebody who's, who's got experience of playing in League Two. Find out a couple of days later, John Askey's actually left. Go to Shrewsbury. So we were all obviously, I was out of contract at this point. Yeah, we went to Shrewsbury. I was I was out of contract at that point. Um, a couple of weeks later, get a phone call from the new manager who took in charge at Mac, who um, was Mark Yates. He was Solihull manager and I'd obviously play, I'd played a game against Solihull when he was obviously Solihull manager. And he said, look, he said, I want you to come in. He said, and come in on trial. He said, we'll take a look at you and see how you do, obviously, to go into, into League Two. So I was like, OK, I'll, I'll take a chance on it. Went in. Um, I think I was in for a week or 10 days, something like that. And he turned around and he said, look, he said, I've got an experienced number two who can come in. He said, I'm, I'm going to have to take him. He said, because he's got league experience. And I was like, OK. Said fair enough. So at least you haven't wasted my time. I've only been in for, for ten days. Yeah. I said that's fine. Um, and then I had the offer to to go to Alfreton Town. Billy Heath phoned me. Phoned, well, Billy Heath spoke to my agent and was like, "Look, played against Sam last year for Halifax because he was Halifax manager." He said, "Look, can can Sam come in?" Um, he said, "We've got a game on Saturday. We're playing Chesterfield." He said, "Can he come in?" He said, "See how he does." He said, "And if if he does all right, he said we'll offer him something." So I went down to went down to Alfred, which was like Derbyshire way. Um, Just that time, look where well it is. And, it's one of those teams you hear, but I'm never quite sure what Alfred is. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a little bit new for me because obviously I'm based on the Wirral, so we were training in Doncaster, um, and then obviously we play our games in Derbyshire. So a lot of lads were from like either Birmingham or some were from Hull. So we can't we trained in Doncaster, which again was I was doing three hour round trips to training. I was doing three hours there, three hours back. So sometimes, so it was a bit. It was a bit of a long season. We trained Monday, obviously Monday, Thursday nights, and then playing on a Saturday. Um, so yeah, and then it was it was lucky really. I was covering a thousand miles a week in the car, and then um, a couple of boys signed from Manchester. So it was ideal. I could jump in with them and obviously yeah. share the lifts and things like that. Um, but that that season was was great for me because I obviously went and played fifty games, probably all in in. in league appearances and cup appearances and things like that so it added it really jumped up my CV it was something that I needed it was like I'd had offers to go into to a couple of clubs on trial um, a couple of places wanted to, to take a look 
And I was like, if I go to somewhere that was in the football league on, on trial, I was like, I'm not going to play. I'm not going to have a season full of games. Mm. I was like, I need, I'm at the point now, I think I was, I was what, 23, 22, 22. I was like, now's the, the kind of point for me to, to go and prove myself and go, go, you know what, I can go and play 50 games at a level and, and kick on from there. Um, so yeah, that was what I went and did. <laughs> went and played 50 games for, for Billy Heath and he was great with me. He was great. I had the 100% backing from him, 100% faith to, to go, you know what, you can you can do it. And even if I'd, I can remember certain games where I hadn't played too well and, and Billy had just come over and go, look, you know, you're my number one. Go and go and prove it. Go and do what you can do. He was like, I've got the faith. And you said, don't worry about, oh, if I make a mistake, I'm going to be pulled out. So there's patches of form probably that season where I didn't do too great. Probably the, towards the back end where I was thinking it's been a long season. I'd probably hit just over 40 games. And I was like, just wanted the end to come a little bit because it, like we knew we couldn't hit the playoffs and things like that. And probably my form dipped a little bit towards the end of the season from what it had been. Um, but I had still had the, the complete backing of Billy and Billy was just saying, look, go and go and show us what you're capable of. And again, it was it was great for me because I had I got it's it's bumped my CV right up. Did you go in as first choice or did you have to? Did you quickly write it? Yeah. before you in. That's good, that, isn't it? So he no, when played it, against but, him and he was happy enough to get you in straight away as number one in that league. Mm-hmm. Like, we were, we there was, they had two keepers already at the time. And then my agent had sent something around to like Conference North clubs to say, look, we've got a keeper who's still looking. This was, this was a week or so before the start of the season. Mm. Um, and Billy phoned and said, look, we'll, we'll take him. We just wanted to play on Saturday. And they already had two keepers. So I took up this game thinking, why is he wanting me if he's if he's already got two keepers? Yeah. Put that out of my head, played the game, and he was like, Look, he said, We'll we'll take you, we'll get it sorted the next two days. And it was it was done the Tuesday before the start of the season. So it was I was in and thingy. And what ended up one of the keepers left probably six weeks into me being there. Um, and then yeah, I was I was travelling to and from. It was a it was a long season come the end of it, like because it was obviously I was covering a thousand miles a week. Yeah, but, but yeah. it was good. I, I, Enjoyed it, enjoyed it. The, the ups and downs of playing week in, week out, there's, there's not on the computer. So the keeper who was your number two then, Alfred, and were, were they younger than you and older than you? Was it weird for you to suddenly be like the, the number one and, and trying to help them out and they're pushing you, except like the, the roles had, had switched for the first time in your career? It was, it, was, it was a little bit strange for me. Tommy Nick, who was the, the number two at Alfred, and he was, he was a good lad. He was, he was great for me. Um, like I can remember games where I might have been having a pop and somebody having a pop at me in the changing room, and and Tommy Nick had always step in and defend me, like because we didn't have a we didn't have a keeper coach, so there was nobody to, to back my corner. It was either it was either me or him who would have to be, have to do it. Um, so and I, and I can remember there was there was numerous times he'd, he'd step in and defend me. So he was he was a good guy. Um, I think he was last at Gainsborough, possibly. Um, I can't remember. But he was he was a good keeper as well. He was he was great great with his feet, um, but it was kind of strange as well. Just kind of running your own own goalkeeper sessions. Obviously, I was coaching at the time for with kids and things like that, so I was having to to put on my own sessions for myself. And it was a little bit strange because we were doing two nights a week, and I was like, this is all all new to me. Um, what did you then just literally no, get into like just like sort of like kick balls at you? Like, have you got any coaches to? Doing anything for you, literally doing it all yourself. You so we were, we us two, we were on our, we were basically on our own. Um, the, the finances of the club were short, and they weren't able to to get a keeper coach in to, mm. to do anything for us. So we were we were kind of told, look, you you got forty five minutes, go and do what you need to do. So lucky enough, I'd obviously had a, had keeper coaches for the last three four years, so I knew sessions I could put on. I was coaching. I, I was running a coaching school up on, on the world a couple of nights a week. So it was always kind of dipping my hand into, into doing coaching. So it was never really too much of a, of a problem. Fair enough. And then at the end of that season, was there a chance to stay on or were you just thick of the travel? Do you want just a bit of a change? Or? I was I was a little bit fed up with the travel. I'd kind of, me and, me and Billy had discussed it and Billy knew my intentions were trying to, to try and get back into, into full-time football. That was always the aim. Um, that was what we we discussed at the start of the season. I was like, look, I said I'm willing to drop to part time. I said, but I want to do it for a year and get myself back into full time football. I said that's my that's my aim. I said that's what I know I'm capable of. That's what I still believe I'm, I'm capable of. 
Um, and Billy was like, okay, I understand that. He was like, look, if the opportunity comes for a club that's interested at any point, he said, I'll let you go. He said, um, he said, I won't hold on to you for a massive fee. He was like, I'll I'll let you go if you if somebody comes in and, and the, the offer's right. He said, you can go. Um, and then we obviously nothing came in the January. Um, come the end of the season, me and Billy discussed it. And he was like, look, he said, I'll I'll let you go. He said, I'll let you walk. He said, uh, so we're not no, there's no problems. He said, I couldn't probably offer you the money that you'd want to to be able to stay. He said, we've had to we've had to cut the budget anyway. He said there's there's going to be a massive turnaround in the in the club because Alfred had, had paid good money that season for to try and push to get back into the conference because they'd come out of it a couple of years before. So they they we'd had obviously Tom Denton who was obviously now at Chesterfield he was a great player for us, um, and the the club had, had done well to to get the squad they had, but we hadn't made the playoffs and we hadn't pushed on to to do as well as we probably should have with the squad we had. Um, so there needed to be a budget cut and he said look he said I can't offer you the money you'd want to, to keep you part time to enable you to, to travel to and from he said I know you're pushing to get back full time anyway so I'll um, he said I'll let you walk and and that was that and then luckily enough a, a couple of weeks later I know the old keeper coach of mine uh, Dave Timmons who I was with at Tramme done my last probably three three years while I was at Tramme four years maybe while I was at Tramme from when I was 15 to 15 till we got relegated from League Two, so probably four years. He uh, he took the job with David Hopkin up at Greenock Morton. He was like, look, he said, I've, he said we're after a keeper. He said, would you be interested? And I was like, he said, obviously I've seen you play this season. He said you've gone and played 50 games. He said it was what your CV needed. He was like, I'll speak to the gaffer, see if I can bring you in. And that was probably a couple of days before I went on holiday. And then got a phone call while I was I was sitting on the beach drinking a cocktail. <laughs> and he said, look, he said he said would you be interested in in coming in and signing? And I was like, yeah, I said, I'm, I'm away on holiday till I think it was the following Tuesday. I said, I can come up Wednesday, Thursday that week. But I was I was then going away with my mates. So I'd been I'd been away with my ex-partner um, in Skiafos. And me and her had been away. And then we flew back. I went up on up to Greenock on the Thursday, signed, come back down and then flew away with my mates on the Friday night. But I was thinking, obviously, going away with my mates, I was thinking I'll come back and I'll have probably two weeks to get myself fit because thinking I was trying to go in somewhere in England. Next minute it was, I came home from Tenerife for my mates and two days later I was needed in pre-season training. Yeah. So, it, I, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't probably ideal plan. In hindsight, I should have cancelled the cancelled the holiday and just took a hit on it. Um, but I'd been, through, I'd, I'd been through a lot that season while I was playing part-time. Uh, with things off the field, like I'd lost my I'd lost my granddad, who I was super super close with, and it had a, it had a lingering effect on me. Yeah, um, and I was like, you know what, I'm gonna gonna enjoy my time off in the summer. I've been through a lot. There's a lot of traveling, and I still every day wear my wear my granddad's chain. Oh. Um, so I'd kind of I'd been through a lot. There'd been a lot going on at home. I was like, you know, I, I think I need to to go and just decompress for obviously been away with her, and then came back and and went away with the lads and in hindsight I probably shouldn't have done it I should, probably should have just said you know what I've got three weeks to, to get myself right as rain to, to go in but you make the decisions you make in the time I think I needed a little bit for, for my own mental health sake I needed a little bit of a, of a blowout and that was what I went and done but yeah it's what it is it's important to sort yourself out up there as well as it is like your actual yeah. fitness levels isn't it so no I, would, I wouldn't regret it um The travelling to Alfreton was tough. I take it you weren't nipping up to Scotland every other day, were you? No, no, I wasn't. So I uh, I moved up. So it's it's quite funny. I was living with a lad, Cameron Salkeld, who's still at Greenock. Um, he was a Geordie lad, and we we both signed on the same day. And his agent messaged me on LinkedIn and said, oh, "Cammy's just signed." Blah blah. blah. And I said to him, "Look, to give me his number." I said, "We'll we'll drop a message." Said, "We'll we'll look to move in somewhere together." So we, me and him, we got a flat just outside Greenock, um, right on the front. It was a lovely place to be fair. Lived just above an ice cream shop. Good ice cream. Um, so yeah, we were we were full time up there, obviously in the Scottish Championship, um, and it was good. It was good. I enjoyed it. It was a it was a tough year. It was a battling year. Um, there was a lot a lot going on again off the pitch, um, as well as on it and. Yeah, I, I enjoyed my time up there. It was it was strange again being away from home. I was obviously four hours in the car, 
from my, my parents and stuff like that. But I enjoyed it. It was a again a sense of like living on your own and things like that. Decent and and so were you brought in again as, as number two there, or was there a chance to? I, I went in. I went in initially as obviously number one. Um, feel as though I'd done. Obviously, I played every minute of pre-season, every minute of the Betfred Cup. Played the first two league games. Um, our number two then got injured. He'd done his ankle ligaments, and he was going to be out for an extended period of time. So the club looked at, at trying to replace him, um, and then we ended up bringing in Danny Rogers from from Aberdeen on loan. And I looked at it. I looked at it at the time, and I was like, Danny was a year older than me. I think he played. He played probably about 180 games in in and around Scotland. Um, he'd obviously been away with the Irish national team under ages and things like that. And I was like, I can as a as a player, you kind of get a sense of I know what's coming here. I know I can I can smell it in the air. So I knew from that point I said I was I was like, I'm not gonna play. And I was obviously disappointed in that because I was thinking I was starting to hit a little bit of consistency in my form. We played Alloa at home first day of the season and we'd won. We were due to play Hibs in the cup, in the Betfred Cup. And I was I was thinking, oh, it's gonna be a great game. Like I was gonna say, did you, did you end up playing any Premier League teams in, in the Betfred Club Cup? Did you manage to get a no, we we got knocked out against Hibs, and I didn't play. That was the first game. Game Danny had come in, and, and yeah. Danny obviously played it, um, which was a little bit disappointing because he'd obviously been in training a couple of days, and I'd thought I've been starting to hit a little bit of decent form, um, and, and that was that. Really, I'd been I came out the team then for for five games, came back in the team for five games, and then got taken back out the team again. And it was a bit like I didn't. I felt as though I didn't have that little bit of a run where he's ten. 12 games, go and, go and express what you can. And it's it's that thing as a keeper, you need you need that consistent backing. Don't get me wrong, if I was if I was throwing goals in every two, three games, like and I was throwing two, three goals in or whatever, I would have been like, okay, I deserve to be taken out. Yeah. But I was like, you know what? I'm uh, the, the team as a whole, we we weren't performing great. We we were conceding goals. And I was like, you know what? I feel as though I'm starting to put in some decent performances. My my shot save ratio was was quite high. And I was like, you know what, I'm I'm actually making some stops in games, like the uh, uh, doing well. I'm feels though I'm participating in the team and trying to drag us back up the league. And um, the the gaffer pulled me and said, look, I'm going to play Danny. And I was a bit like, I think two or three more games, and I'd have, I'd have hit a great stride of form. But sometimes you just don't get that. Did Did you say that to the to the manager? Were you like, did you kick up a fuss, or were you like, oh, fair enough, but. Like... I'd had I'd had meetings with him to to discuss it, and obviously because I was I was disappointed I wasn't playing. Um, at first, he he told me that it was a little bit to to protect me because we weren't playing as as well as we could as a as a team. But as a player, you don't want to be protected. You want to be playing every single game of every single minute. Um, and then the the second time he he kind of took me out the team. I was a bit I was a bit a little bit more annoyed because I didn't think I'd done anything to to warrant to be taken out the team. Um. Which kind of, I, I still obviously put my, my 100% into everything I was doing. I was still doing my extras. I was still doing extra shooting every day, extra kicking and things like that. And sometimes you just feel as though you don't get the, the rub of the green. And it, it was what it was. In hindsight, there was probably moments where I could have covered myself in more glory and, and done a little bit more like performance-wise in games. There was, there was mistakes I've made, which I haven't made in my career so far. It's probably the only, one, only time I've done it in my career. Mm. And I'm thinking, so sometimes you just don't get that little bit of luck that you need. Um, but still, I, I still put max. I, I don't know whether that conveyed to, to obviously the Morton fans, but I know I still put 100% into everything I was doing. So sometimes you're just a bit like it, it just wasn't to be. Yeah. Do you feel that as a goalkeeper, obviously it's completely different to any other position on the pitch, isn't it? If you're if you're a number two as a goalkeeper, you don't really have much rotation, do you, throughout the season? Maybe the no. game here and there. And even when you went in as number one. The backup to you got injured. If that was any other position on the pitch, you might not even bring in someone on loan. You might just no. get someone to fill fill that space. And you know, it so happened that your backup got injured, and it it led to you losing your place. You feel like it is just a, a tough position being a goalkeeper. It's it's hard to sustain a bit of running. Yeah, it's it's definitely definitely probably one of the toughest, if not the toughest, positions. Like yeah, like you think that Brendan, who was our who was the number two at Greenock. He was obviously the same age as me. We were both competing head to head for it, and I, I knew that going in. Obviously, I was backing myself a little bit more to to think that you know what I can I can take the spot. And the gaffer obviously played me in the in the first preseason game, um, 
and then he got injured not long afterwards. I think it was the next day or a couple of days later. And it was a bit like, right, now where, where do we go from here? And there was a couple of people who come in on trial and things like that. I don't think that the club were too keen on them. And then obviously they brought Danny in and you kind of think, you, you can just smell it as a, as a player. But like people, people kind of know that it's like you bring in somebody. It'd be different if there was a, a 19-year-old brought in um, from from a different club, but bringing in like a 25, 26 year old who's been around the block and played, it's kind of a bit like you can you can see what's coming. Mm. Um, which again, obviously, I put up the, the the fight. I said, obviously, I put up as much as I could to to try and keep my place in the team and keep my standing, trained like a man possessed. But <coughs> it was what it was. Yeah, annoying. Um, so. End of the season, like obviously, did did COVID affect things at, at Greenock Morton? Was was there a chance to stay on with with obviously Danny Rogers going back on loan? Like, could you have established yourself as number one again? What what happened? So we um, so obviously we we were due to I think we were due to play Dundee at home, um, and we got the phone call to say, look, the the league's been like the, the games are off this weekend because of obviously coronavirus, and at the time we didn't know how really serious it was. We all just kind of thought, oh. It's a bit of an overreaction. They're probably just the, the league will be fine next week. So I think a couple of me and myself and a couple of lads ended up going out, mm. um, and then we we came back in on the Monday and we were told, look, you, you need to go home for for three days, four days, or you, you need we're giving you the week off basically. So we were like, Sound. so I I drove home, left all my stuff up in Greenock, thought, oh, it's yeah. not not to be worried be about. Uh, I'll be back. I'll be I'll be back Friday. Or I think it was coming. Yeah, I think it was coming back up the Friday. I was like, I'll be back up Friday. And like, we we then um, I was there. I came back. I did come back up on the Friday to see my my now my now new girlfriend. Um, and then we went back in and trained on the Monday. And then we were told then, look, you've got. To, we need to get back home because there's going to be a lockdown and things like that. And all of a sudden, the, the country was shut down, and we were like, right, okay. We were given programs to stay fit. Um, we put on obviously furlough, like a lot of people were. And then thingy, obviously after three weeks, there was then look that the season's finished up here. And we'd all been told before, probably just after January, we were like they, they'd said to us, look, everybody's going to be off the new contract. I want everybody to stay for next year. This was the obviously the manager speaking. So look, he said money will probably be the same. He said, but I want to offer, want to offer everyone new contracts and obviously kick on for next year to to try and push for a playoff place. Um, and I was like, okay. I was thinking, you know what? I'll come back in pre-season, right as rain, fit as a fiddle, and and smash it and and try and claim the spot as my own. Um, that was obviously back in in March last year, the end of March, probably start of April, yeah. uh, when obviously the lockdown was still in full flow. So we were waiting, we're still on furlough, waiting, 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 and then I think it come to probably the God July and the July maybe. Start of all, yeah. No, end of July it was probably got a, got a phone call from from Hoppy, and he, he just kind of said, "Look," he said, "the the budget's been cut." He said, "Obviously, the club's been moved over to to a different owner." Um, they were like, "Look, the, there's no budget here." He said, "I'm I'm looking at offering lads not great money." He said, "I'm gonna have to bring lads in who are who are closer." He said, "Obviously, it's just it's just unfortunate." He said, "I can't offer you something that you're financially going to be able to live in." And be able to live on up here, he said. And he said it's it's unfortunate for you. He said, but the way COVID's affected everything, he was like, I can't I can't do anything more. So I was a bit obviously gutted. Um, but would again, you have had people, stayed on? Did you did you enjoy your first year? Would you take another contract? I had a, a snap my hand off for another contract. I thought, you know what, first year probably wasn't great. It wasn't probably the best that I could have done. I thought, you know what, I've put a lot of issues. I obviously lost my granddad the year before, I then lost my auntie, and obviously while I was up there, lost my, I'd lost my auntie on the Friday night and gone and played on the Saturday while I was up at Greenock. Like, there was there was a lot of things that had gone on that, that people don't really know about. Um, and I was like, you know what, I'll, I'll come in and just go for it head first and, and see where it takes me for another year. Had the had the opportunity been there. Um, and unfortunately, it wasn't and I paid the consequences for probably you never know if I'd have performed better there might have been another contract there but you just don't know obviously I do believe that there probably has been a massive budget cut across the board uh, at a lot of clubs so mm. especially as a keeper there's only probably one there's probably three maximum of, of keepers that the clubs bring in you're probably lucky now if you've got three keepers in your squad yeah. um, 
and it is what it is. Everything has its its kind of knock on effects. I know a lot of boys who were who were obviously still out of contract and things like that. So it's a difficult time. So yeah, go on. Describe life as a footballer during lockdown, during this whole pandemic. What's it been like? <laughs> it's it's been difficult. So obviously we we finished we we finished middle of March or whenever it was just before the first lockdown. Um, I've, I was lucky. I had a close group of mates who we were all sending sessions to one another and keeping fit. And I was lucky at the time. My brother was looking at losing some weight, so me and him built a, a gym in the garage. And I was being asked to labour for my dad because we were doing renovations in the garden. So we were we were building gazebos and patios and pathways and all that. So was I, was, I was probably still, I was still probably grafting for about yeah. seven, eight hours a day <laughs> with my dad in the bacon heat. Um, so I was doing that to obviously keep myself, keep myself tired over, especially mentally as well, because otherwise if I'm bored, I just my mind ends up wandering. Mm. Um, and then as I kind of thought that the season's going to start get going again, obviously Hoppy phoned me and said there was there was not a, a contract there for me. So I'd start putting started putting the feelers out probably six weeks before the start of pre-season. Um, I'd had an interesting offer to to go over to Armenia and and play over there. Um, and it was it was probably great money. It was great money. And I was like, I just don't think I'd be able to make it back from there. Mm. I was like, still my career is the most important thing to me. I need to make the right moves for my career to, to give myself the right opportunities. Um, I was like, oh, I'm going to go there. That's a bit of a random one, isn't it, Armenia? Uh, an agent an agent had, had messaged me and said, look, they're, they're interested in you. They want to take a look. You need to fly to fly to Amsterdam and then they'll pay for the flight on from Amsterdam into Armenia. So I think I'd have to fly from Amsterdam to Turkey, Turkey to Russia, Russia to yeah. Armenia or something like that. Yeah. It, was a, it, was a, it was about 16 hours of flying to, to get myself to Armenia. Because uh, there was no direct flight, um, so yeah, and then I'd been keeping myself fit and ticking over, and I kind of thought I've not had a, a little bit of a break. So I think I took two weeks off of just doing nothing and just as as you normally would do when the when the season finishes and the summer hits, you kind of do take a, a week or ten days off and just enjoy yourself a little bit. So I'd done that, and I was like, right, it's time to to have a right good go at getting fit. So I'd spoke to obviously agents, and I hadn't actually signed with an agent at this point. Um, I'd been speaking to a couple of people and then next minute it was actually Danny Rogers who, who phoned me and said um, Falkirk had been on the phone asking about you, yeah, the Falkirk keeper coach ask, um, Jacko. So he was like, look, here's his number, give him a ring. And it was lucky at the time I was I was up with my missus. She lives in Livingston uh, in Scotland. So Falkirk was only it was half an hour around the corner from her. Um, and he was like, look, come in. He said, obviously, we've got to abide by all the COVID rules and all this, which was, I think you can only have 10 players on each half of the pitch or something like that. So there wasn't too much mixing. And um, he said, we've got games in like three weeks' time. He said, so you'd be, we'd be asking you to play in that. So luckily, she she allowed me to stay with her and her family um, to, to obviously pursue it and, and try and gain a contract. And they'd said to me, look, we, want, we ideally want three keepers. And then they, they said, look, we're only going to bring, be able to have two keepers. So they'd obviously had their, their keeper, who was Robbie Much, um, who's a good keeper, a uh, nice lad as well. And then they they pulled, I think we played Wraith away uh, in a friendly. And they said, look, we, we haven't got the budget that we could offer you something again that you could live on, he said. Sometimes a little bit different. Had I been going in as a number one, I could have like took the, the massive wage hit in order to give myself a, an opportunity to go and then progress and move on. But it's something that I would have been able to actually live on would have been, I would have took the opportunity. Um, so then I'd, I'd come back from there and quite luckily I'd got had a phone call from my agent who's now representing me. And he said, look, there's, there's an opportunity for you to go out to Germany. This was now October. Um, he was like, would you be interested? He said, they're, they're a team in the Oberliga. Like, look, they went bankrupt last year. He said they've had to drop right out the leagues. He said they've they've gone down to the fifth division. He said, but they're wanting three promotions in the next four years. He said you, you're getting yourself in at the ground level for something. He was like, would you be interested? So I was like, yeah. I said, look, I said I'll I'll get myself. I was obviously a missus. I was like, look, I'll I'll drive home. I said I'll book a flight for Monday and, and get myself out there. So I went over there, um, spent two weeks over there. They told me they wanted to offer me a contract, but they knew that. Their lockdown was coming the first of November, um, so they're like, "Look, we can't offer you a deal 
and then pay you for the next two months when we're not probably going to be here. They're saying the lockdown's only for three weeks, but we, we really don't know. Uh, I took all my, all my clothes over with me because I was thinking, right, I'm going. And so I ended up missing about seven trains to, to fly back from Germany. Um, and yeah, ever since it's kind of been right to try and, try and stay fit, obviously. Then you've got Christmas coming and you think, right, I've got I kind of got to pick up a job somewhere. So I was doing some uh, Amazon Flex deliveries to, to try and bring myself in a little bit of money because obviously you want to get the, the people closest to you to presents for, for Christmas and have a little bit of money to do a little a few things, a little few activities with with the family and obviously my girlfriend and things like that. So it's been it's been a rough ride. It's been it's probably been the most emotionally taxing of, of my career. Like I thought that I would kind of be okay. I kind of leaving Scotland and Obviously, I haven't played in a few games in the conference, a lot in the conference north and Scottish Championship. I kind of thought I'll be okay. I'll pick something up somewhere, mm. and just you, you don't realise how how bad it's going to be. And in hindsight, when you look at it, would I have took the Armenia deal if I'd have knew what I knew now? Probably yes. Um, but you kind of that was probably the first offer I'd had, and I was like, you know what, I'm going to sit and I'm going to wait. Yeah, because a lot of clubs hadn't gone back, and I was like. I bat, I, I, when the chips are down I always back myself and I was like you know what if if a club comes in to say come in on trial I know I'll be alright it's just getting that little opportunity to put myself in the shop window to go yeah I'll take a look at me and it's it's been hard you, you get agents messaging you and you get people messaging you saying I can get you this I can get you this but when the chips are down a lot of people are just all talk and it's mm. it's quite hard work trying to weed out who's who's actually finding you a serious offer and it's just it's hard work but it's like there, there comes a point where you've got a, like obviously I'm now I'm a past income protection advisor but I've worked on that for the last three months to, to provide lads who are obviously part-time and, and full-time footballers some some life insurance and critical illness insurance it's a lot of stuff that players don't have I know I certainly didn't play in part-time I was lucky I wasn't working while I was playing part-time I just kind of committed to to playing football um, but I know lads certainly aren't and if they're to get injured and have to miss work for a long period that they're not covered and they're losing their income especially in a time like now so that was why I kind of picked that up because I could do it alongside playing and now I'm obviously um, applying for university as well to, to give myself a little bit in the future so I can I can look at possibly when my career ends going into going into doing something and so going back to Germany what, what's the name of the club like whereabouts are they based in Germany the the base just outside Leipzig. I can't say anything because it's not actually signed yet. Okay. The, the contract should be over in the in the next. It I've applied for my V. Uh, my V should be here on when should be uh, arriving on Wednesday. So because uh, obviously now we're out of the EU, I've got to apply for a visa to work in Europe. Right there, isn't it? Um, so yeah, the, it should be. It's ridiculous. So I should be. It should be all signed. All signed and done. Come the end of the before the end of the window um, which would be it, it takes a lot of stress off my mind because it's going to be 18 months of at least I know where I'm going to be for the next 18 months huh. um, obviously hopefully we we kick on and I think we're fourth at the minute in the table we think we're joint joint with the teams above us um, I think we've played one extra game than, than the teams above us but we're um, we're, we're, we're pushing to, to go up and the, and the squad's actually a really good squad uh, obviously, it's a little bit different because everybody's speaking German, and I'm just looking around, going, "What's <laughs> what's kind of going on?" But uh, but I've I've started I've started a couple of one of my old school teachers is helping me out learning German, so he's uh, he's been a great help for me. So I've got I'm penciling a lesson for the weekend again. So I'm spinning about five plates at once at the minute with with obviously keeping fit, applying for uni, and, and doing a few other bits and bobs. A few. So we will. We're that be... learning German. <laughs> yeah, and that's. Not a language I've I've got any uh, expertise in, but um, I'm sure you I'm sure you'll pick it up quick enough. Is, will, will you be going in as, as first choice then? There or? Yeah. So the the, the gaffers the gaffers a Croatian guy who um, he's he's managed all over the world. He's managed in China, Saudi, uh, Abu Dhabi. He's managed all around um, and knows knows his stuff. Like so, and the club wants to to push to to get to get up as quickly as they can. They were a third league team, which is obviously just outside. It's obviously the Bundesliga, Bundesliga two, and then there's the, the third league. Um, 
so they were they were in that league for years and, and competing in that league. So they want to they want to get back to that as quickly as they can. It's a fourteen thousand seater stadium. I'll be playing in, and I was I was lucky enough while I was there. I got to watch a game, and they were they were getting four thousand in for and for an Oberliga side. There's teams you'll go to which will be like when you're playing in the Conference North and you go into teams that get 250, 300 fans and there was all ultras sitting in our stands and you're thinking, Christ, like they, they were really passionate about it and you're thinking, you know what, I'm going to enjoy playing here a little bit. Germany's class for football, isn't it? I've been to a few games. Mm. I've been to like San Pauli and stuff and the drink in the stands. And, yeah. You know, they, they were second division. Yeah. Actually played Leipzig at the time. Um, and it's class. Like they, 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 Germany get football mm. spot on. You'll definitely, you'll yeah. definitely enjoy it over there. It should be decent. Um, so, so uh, be, uh... with with your career, have you have you always had an agent who's who's helped sort you out? Have, have you sorted deals out yourself? Have, have you just worked with people who you know, or how, how's it how's it worked out for you? So I've kind of had a, had an agent when I was God when I was seventeen. I think I, I signed with an agent. Um, he, me, and him. Then we we just kind of parted ways pretty amicably, really. Um, and then his number two, who was at that agency, got another job. Um, so the sorry, so the deal I'd done in Ireland, I'd done that, done that myself, uh, obviously through through my friend and that. He sort of me and him kind of done that together. Um, and then when I came back, the the guy who'd been my first agent's number two, he he'd gone to a different company, so I signed with him, um, and he looked after me up until I went to to Greenock, um, for, so for what two and a half years, something like that. And then, I so this summer when obviously I'd, I'd been released by Greenock, I'd kind of spoke to a few people, just kind of said, look, if you can get me something, I'll sign with you and we'll, we'll do a deal like that. And a lot of agents are, are tending to work like that now. Um, I found a couple of them will say, look, I need you to sign. If they're looking abroad, they'll say, look, I need you to sign a mandate, which is for, for a month to say, look, I'm, I'm looking for you in Finland. Or if somebody says they've got a contract in Romania or Azerbaijan, or they've got your your details for a month basically to, to do as much as they can um, but then I signed with with Kev Scott at 433 Management so um, he's kind of done for the past God since uh, since I was probably released from Morton he's kind of looked after me probably from when I was in a, a Falkirk he kind of looked after me from then onwards because things were looking a little bit slow and I was like look I need one dedicated person to just be focusing on me so I went with him, um, and he, to be fair, he's looked after me great. Like I can't, I can't complain. I know it's been it's rough going for for everybody at the minute, um, but he's happy to obviously if if there's other people who've got deals, he's happy to to work with them. He's not somebody who goes, no, you're my player. It's mm. it's my deal. I'm doing it all on myself. He's he's happy to work with other people. So if somebody was to say to me, look, there's there's a contract here. Like obviously you're looked after by somebody. I'd, I'd obviously tell them, yeah, I'm looked after with Kev, but he's he's happy to do to do deals with people to, to enable his players to, to get the best that they can and obviously push on. So it's kind of, it's hard sometimes because you, you kind of, you don't know who to trust, who to, who's talking rubbish and, and things like yeah. that. Um, so it's, it's, I always think you, you struggle to find a dolphin in a sea full of sharks. That's the, that's the way I, I deal with, with people sometimes because you don't know who to trust. So it, is, it, is a, it is a tough industry, obviously. It is dipping my toe into it a bit, um, like on the periphery of, of all the agents and stuff, you you want to make sure they're in it for you, not just for their own benefits. And it's, it's hard to believe yeah. that people, and we've tried to um, help people get themselves out there. And I work with a, a company called Pro Player Pathways. Um, they mm-hmm. enroll people in university, like with an online course and stuff, and then try and set up deals abroad and stuff. Um, you work with all sorts of people, but, I think you automatically think is is this guy dodgy? Like you, you want to do like your background yeah, research yeah. on them and stuff. And like, there's a, it's, I think it's a tough industry, and a, a lot of players from a young young age coming out of academies like they promise certain things, and then they're just empty promises. So it's mm-hmm. it's definitely tough to to put your trust. Yeah. In. Especially as well, like me and I've I've known of, of Kev Scott for for a while, and I've known of a couple of agents, but. Obviously, with, with Corona and that, I'm not able to meet him face to face. It's always a little bit easier to, to trust somebody when you, you're speaking to them face to face. 
but I, I trust I trust Kev absolutely with with my career and, and things are and I'm hoping that we've obviously got a long and successful relationship and hopefully he can make me some money and I can make him some money off the back of obviously what's to come. Um, but it is it is always difficult. To, it is I think that there's obviously you you push yourself out there on LinkedIn and you, you speak to X Y Z amount of people and you push yourself out there on any platform you've got and you just kind of think like. Is is this guy for real? Is he is he being serious? Am I going to end up in a country where I'm not getting paid? And because I've spoken to people and and you can tell from the minute one that they're dodgy and you're like, mm. you, you just kind of you you learn you learn as you go along. But it's just you've always got to make the decision that's right for you. Like you can be pressured from different sources and things like that, but you've always got to make the decision that's that's kind of right for for you and what you think's right. Yeah. Do you think for players of a certain level or free agents, social media is a bit of a future for footballers putting themselves out there and trying to find deals? Do you reckon it, like on LinkedIn especially and, and Twitter and stuff, do you think it is the right angle to go at it? I think especially LinkedIn, because I, I joined LinkedIn when I'd come back from Galway um, and I joined it then and it wasn't too big for, for players and seemed to be like one of it was just a little bit just bubbling under the surface a little bit of of lads looking for clubs on LinkedIn and coaches and agents and managers being on it but I think now it's like it's it's exploded like I, I flick through the feed every day and I, I see and sometimes you take it with a bit a pinch of salt and especially when you're dealing with with foreign agents especially like in, in England, and I see it all the time in England, transfer markets like isn't a big thing. Obviously, the website that it's like a player database, yeah, yeah. Um, and you see it, you see it all the time, and you see agents saying I need a, a player with a transfer market of yeah. two hundred fifty thousand. I could go on my transfer market now and then edit it and put it up to two point five million if I wanted to. Mm. And you just kind of think, is that a serious offer? And I've I've spoke to agents God, in the past month, six weeks. Because obviously I know Kev's happy to do deals with people and and sent them a transfer market and said you know it's not a big thing in England like I've never heard a, a League One club say oh I need a, a transfer market of one point two five million like it just yeah. it doesn't it doesn't really happen and um, thing I've I've had agents reply to me say I need someone better and I'm like well hold on mate you've not even looked at my clips yeah you can't like, you, you just you've you've clicked you've clicked on my, and my transfer market especially it doesn't have the fact that I've nearly played ninety. 95 something games like senior games and it's like you can't trust something that's not got every single accurate detail uh, to be fair if there was if there was a massive like transfer website where you had every single game that every single player has played then it's something a little bit more legit but when you're saying I need somebody's transfer market you're a little bit like mm, is yeah. it a serious deal you're offering and I think I think probably I like to think the best of people so I like to think that most of the deals that you do see are legit but you yeah. sometimes do take it with a pinch of salt yeah, no, I understand, but it's it's definitely changing. It's it's interesting um, getting involved in that aspect myself, and um, a lot of footballers are, are putting themselves out there on LinkedIn, and hopefully it does look mm -hmm. good. Um, so yeah, mm -hmm. looking back at your career so far, what would you consider to be your highlight? Anything that sticks out for you, particularly game or or moment that you look back on? I have a couple. So probably my 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 first highlight would be obviously making my debut for for Macclesfield Town coming on it obviously late in Orient and, and doing quite well. Um, do you have anyone highlight, highlights with that for, for your debut, sorry. Because obviously you weren't expecting to make it. No. Your family or anything not there. No, so I was we played them, we were away. So obviously we travelled we travelled down to London on the day. Mm. We've been up since God. We used to travel we used to do a lot a lot of London trips on the day. We used to get the train down. Um, so I think we'd left Macclesfield about half seven in the morning, eight o'clock yeah. in the morning to get the train down. For a three o'clock kickoff, and um, it just so happened that it, I obviously came on, um, and my mum had got a text saying Sam's come on. So they were they were, they were constantly flicking. My mum, my dad, and uh, my brother were all flicking through the, the Twitter feed, trying to get the next update, next yeah. update, next update. So now they they never. And then I played again on the Tuesday night, um, and and nobody was again. We were down in London, so nobody came. Nobody was able to come and watch. Um, they they got to they got to one of my games. I played Halifax over the over the New Year, and they they got to come to that and played Solihull as well. They got to come to a couple of games, uh, which was nice, obviously. Um, and my mum used to when I was at Alfred, she used to come to every home game because she used to not work Saturday, so she used to come to every home game, which was nice. Right. It's always fun to have someone to talk to in the car. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
always fun to have someone to talk to, especially for two and a half hours. It's a long trip. Yeah. Um, another another highlight would definitely be we played Motherwell on telly in, in the Betfred Cup. That was on BT Sport. Um, that was amazing because I remember just coming out and standing in the tunnel thinking, this is live on telly. Yeah. A lot of people are going to be watching this. I was like, Christ, this is a big moment. Yeah. Um, and I feel as though I acquitted myself quite well in the game. We, I think we got beat 4-1 or 4-0 maybe, but I felt as though they were, they were a good side that year. Motherwell, they were, they were doing really well. Uh, or they went on to do really well, sorry. And yeah, um, and then obviously I played Dundee as well. On, on Scottish TV on BBC Alba, and um, that was another another highlight probably for me. Um, so yeah, had a had a couple. When when you're on TV, do every save you make, like they sort of call them, or oh, that's one for the cameras and stuff like that. Everything you do, are you thinking? I wonder how that was seen on TV. I wonder if it'd be showing replays at that. Are you are you thinking that all the whole time, or do you try? I'm, I'm more I'm more thinking how awkward do I look on telly. <laughs> I'm more thinking, do I, do I look like I'm moving like a robot? Do I look yeah. like I'm moving quick? Like, um, that's what I'm more thinking because I, I hate watching myself. Like, it's one of my one of my pet peeves watching myself back and and listening to myself. Like, I probably won't even listen to this interview. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm, I, I'm looking at I myself. Hate it. I hate, hate watching myself because <laughs> I, I like we were, me and my brother were doing my clips over the summer, and I was like, I was watching them and I was going. Is that how I really look? Mm. I was like, Christ, but it's um I'm more thinking the way do I just look as awkward as I feel. Yeah. <laughs> um but no, not not really. It kinda especially after the first five, ten minutes, it, it kind of goes out your head and it just becomes a normal game. Yeah. Um but definitely it's 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 a strange feeling. Very well, so I hope there's a few more to come for you. Um so last awesome. question. Um Growing up as a kid, did you have any like idols of the goalkeepers that you looked up to that you modelled your style of play on? Or probably my, my biggest idol growing up was probably Ike Casillas. He was the the goalkeeper I wanted to be. I used to watch him on YouTube and any clip I could find. I, I used to sit there and and watch it over and over and over again. He was he was probably one of my all time favourite keepers. Obviously, as of then become a little bit older and things like that. People like Jan Black and Manuel Neuer and people like that and Ter Stegen and things like that. Probably I'd more, other than my, my feet ability, I'd probably think my, my shot stopping's a little bit, probably I'm trying to model myself a little bit off Neuer because he's he's kind of the type that, that just makes the block. He just makes the save how the save needs to be made. He's not, he's not, you wouldn't go and say, oh, he's technically the perfect goalkeeper because there's times he'll punch stuff He'll use his shoulder, he'll use his knee, he'll use his head to save it. Like that's probably the the style of play that I look at look like more than more than somebody say like a Testegan who's who's brilliant with his feet, or yeah. an Avas who can spray a ball ninety yards to, to someone's toe. I'm more the type that will. And, and to be fair, I'd rather be a goalkeeper that keeps the ball out the net than somebody who, who sprays it about for fun. Because Most I think that your bread and butter is keeping what, the ball out the net. That's what matters yeah. at the end of the day. Isn't it's, it? it's enjoying the stuff of getting getting dirty and. And enjoying rolling around in the mud. Yeah. That's the reason why I started it. Yeah, fair enough. Brilliant. Um, well, yeah, thanks a lot for your time on this. Obviously, good luck no with in, in Germany. Um, Cheers. Give a shout when that goes through. We'll make a big deal of it on the page. And then we'll we'll catch up after a few months in Germany. Obviously, get your, get your um, see what's happening over there, how things are different. It'll be good to get your opinion on everything over there. Um, Sounds good. Yeah, thanks a lot. I'll I'll keep you updated oh, when we publish this, and uh, yeah, keep in touch. No worries. I'll be going to speak to you soon. You too, too, mate. Thanks, nice mate. Bye, mate.